meme, I guess it is. I don't know what it is, but um, just a saying that was on the internet, and I sent it to my kids. It says, and probably everything about what I'm going to share today is going to make me cry because my kids are all grown now, but... It says, when my kids are grown one day, I want them to look back at their childhood and think, wow, mom really enjoyed us. I want them to know that the, pri- I know that the privilege of being their mom was always greater than any hardship, annoyance, or inconvenience. I want them to know what a gift they were to me every single day. And I love that because looking back, I hope the kids thought that, saw that in me because really it's the greatest privilege that we have as women to raise children. There's nothing greater than that. And um, recently, my mom just turned 75 and she said, don't you wish on your birthday you could go back to one day in your life and relive it? And I thought, wow, wouldn't that be amazing? Because I think we could enjoy parenting and our life with our kids if we knew that we could go back one day and live, relive a life again with our kids. And one of the days, we took all of our, um, our boys and their wives and our grandkids to Disney World on Monday, and it was my twins' 28th birthday that we did that. And when they were three years old, we took them for their third birthday and have pictures of that. And I thought that would be one of the days I would want to go back and relive because it was such a fun day taking them to Disneyland on their third birthday. But um, it really is a privilege to be a parent and to raise our kids. And I think our culture has really lost that. I I don't want to be rude, but I saw something Chelsea Handler did, I'm sure if you felt in about her being single and not a mom, and I thought, you've really missed out on life and you don't even know it. And when I watch movies, don't you come sometimes go through um, these rabbit holes where I'm like, oh, I wonder if they're married. I wonder if they have kids. And so I look up a movie star from a show and I think, oh, good, they're married and they have three kids. They have a, at least a fulfilling life from that end because if they're 50 and they're single and they've never had children, I think they've really missed out on, the, on life. Of course, not they don't know the Lord either, which is even greater, but, but still, they, they don't know what true life is without having that. Um, I, um, I feel really ill-equipped on teaching on parenting because I know that everything that the Lord has done in our life and our kids' life is because of God, but I also know that the Word of God is so important, and that's what I want to give you today is what God has taught us through His Word and how that has led us to having a really fulfilling life with our kids. Um, I have, uh, when I first brought my first son home from the hospital, when we got in the car and I strapped him in, I started crying and I said, they gave me nothing. They didn't give me a manual. They didn't tell me how to do this thing. I feel so ill-equipped. Did anybody else feel that way? I mean, they give us nothing to equip us for parenting. We strap, they teach us or show us, I guess, how to strap the baby into the car seat, but that's about it. I even, I nursed my son and the lady in the hospital, she goes, you just put it up to your breast and he'll know what to do. 
That was not true at all. So I went home, um, when I lived in California, there was a baby hotline number that you could call, and I called it every single day asking questions because I literally did not know what to do. I had that what to expect when you're expecting, and then I got the book what to expect your first year, and, and, and now we have the internet, so we can look up everything and be equally as lost and confused. But. I had that book and I would, you know, read it all the time and it the chapters were very small for each milestone for the baby but I kept looking at it over and over maybe something will jump out at me and I'll know what I'm doing now but um we have no idea and um but God has given us his word he's filled us with the spirit he's given us direction wisdom promises and he's given us hope one of my husband and I, our favorite scripture is in Second Chronicles 20. It um, says, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. And it's Josiah, or Jehoshaphat, he's going into war, and he cries out to the Lord, and he says, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. And that is the theme of our life. We do not know what we're doing, but we are so glad that we have a God that sees, and he knows, and he leads us, and as we cry out to him, he will give us wisdom. He's not going to give us a five-year plan or a 10-year plan because he wants us constantly coming to him and to seek him for wisdom. Uh, five years ago, three of my sons got married all within six months of each other. So May, one got married. July, one got married. And November, one got married. And um, I, in probably around this time of the year, of that year, just realizing like, this is my last, I went from a full house, my oldest son, he's been married nine years, and then the other three all got married that year. And I thought, I'm going from a full house to an empty house within a few months, and I wanna be able to love my kids well these last few months that I have with them. I wanna be the best parent, I wanna be the be best, um, I wanna be more organized, I wanna, these are things that were going through my head. I wanna be a better wife because once they're gone, I'm only, it's just Jim and I. I wanna be a better Bible teacher. I just started going through, I wanna have my house clean, I wanna do all these things. And I was just kind of praying and asking for the Lord to help me. And my very last thing I said is, Lord, I just wanna be perfect. And I felt the still small voice of the Lord saying, if you were perfect, you wouldn't need me. And I thought of that verse in Hebrews 4, 16. It says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And that's where the Lord wants us. So know that none of us are perfect. All of us need a need the Lord, and he wants us to continually come to, coming to him, and especially in parenting. He knows that we don't know what to do. He did not give us a play-by-play -play plan book because he wants us seeking him. And we know that each of our children are so, so different. We have the twins, Jim said, are very sweet, compliant, easy. And then our bookend boys were very crazy, talkative, um, had a lot of energy. And so having to navigate them, I would joke with my oldest son that I would, it's a joke, beat him senseless because nothing I did seemed to detour him from what he wanted to do. But I remember having a conversation with one of my twins when they were young and getting angry at him like I did at Nathan that didn't deter Nathan from doing it. But 
Trevor just looked at me and tears were just flowing down his face and he said nothing. And I'm like, okay, I cannot deal with him the same way I deal with Nate. And so each children, child is so different. Um, raising children can be very overwhelming and we have no idea what we're doing. But it seems like nowadays everybody has an opinion on how we should raise our children. We have articles on the internet, we have podcasts. I mean, recently I was listening to a podcast on parenting and it was a woman with a two-year-old teaching other women how to raise children. And I thought, you have no idea what you're doing. You have no idea what's ahead of you. I don't know. I actually had to turn it off because I thought, oh, I can't listen to her. She, she doesn't know. But isn't it funny? I feel like everybody feels like they have a voice. They have a, an opinion. And so they're going to give it to you. And we can listen or not. But um, it seems that fear is one of the greatest tactic to get our attention. What are your children eating? They need to eat healthier. They need to be better. I listened to a podcast recently. It wasn't about raising children, but about how we basically need to eliminate everything from our lives. No oils, no water. Even the water we drink is not good, even if it's filtered water. And I had to turn that one off too. I'm like, this is too overwhelming. I always quote that verse that Jesus says, it's not what goes into a person that defiles them, but what comes out and that we pray for our food and we do the best we can because we cannot live in a perfect world. We have to trust the Lord that where he has us, what we eat, what we do is best for our family. So don't let the fear overwhelm you. Um, I, I looked up the word fear, and it's a distressing emotion aroused by impending danger, evil, pain. Whether the threat is real or imagined, the feeling or condition of being afraid lingers. We can feel fear, but we can still walk by faith. About a year ago, um, I saw Greg Laurie posted something that said, what would... Greg Laurie now tell younger Greg Laurie. And I don't know what he said, but I started thinking about what would older Christy tell younger Christy. And I would say, don't fear and trust the Lord. And I think that's what the Bible is filled with. Over 200 times the Bible says, fear not, do not be afraid, do not fear. And why does it say it so many times? Is because sometimes it's very easy for us to live by fear. Um, but the Lord wants us to rest in him and to walk by faith. And generally, I wouldn't consider myself a fearful person, but when I was raising my children, I felt like a lot of the things I did and said, and I, I was fearful. I was fearful that they wouldn't be tall enough. <laughs> and I remember when we first got Google, it was the early 2000s, Googling like, how tall will my children be? Like they know, right? And um, I, one of the things I read was you take your the husband's height and the, the or the mom's and the dad's height, you add them together and divide by two. That's how you'll know how tall your children. I'm like, I, I don't I don't think that's right. But you know they have different things where you double the kid's size when they're two. I don't know, whatever it was, my son was going to be four foot five, and I just did not think that was probably accurate. But there was just so many things that I was afraid of. They wouldn't be happy. They wouldn't be tall enough. They wouldn't be smart enough. 
afraid of their future, afraid of them driving, afraid of the computer, afraid of their phones, and afraid mostly that they wouldn't walk with the Lord. But what it caused me to do and it, what it should cause us to do is seek the Lord through everything. Every, we are de- in desperate need of the Lord. And the amazing thing is that God loves our children even more than we love them. And he wants them to walk with them and he draws them to himself. Um, Adam and Eve had the perfect father and yet they didn't follow his instructions. But the Lord, the whole Book, you know, Bible is filled with ways that God brings his children back to himself. And we see Jesus gave some of the greatest parables, the shepherd leaving the 99 to go after the one, um, and then find the prodigal son. When the son finally comes to the end of himself, he remembers his father, and with great love, his father runs to him. And so we see that God's desire is to bring your children to himself. One of my favorite verses is Isaiah 54, 13. It says, the Lord will teach your children and your children will have peace. And even though we fail, God is still calling our children to himself. So what I'm going to do is share some verses that the Lord helped and encouraged me as I was raising my children. Um, Some of the things that Jim said kind of stepped on my teaching, and I feel like he knew what I was sharing, and so he, like, stole these things from me. But, you know, the repeat is is always good for us. Sometimes, don't you... I listen to Bible studies over and over because I think, oh, that was really good. I want to, so hopefully that's how you feel. It's like, oh, that, that is a good point. Um, so number one is we set the pattern. We need to lead by example. And Jim, Jim covered this, but in Deuteronomy 6, 2, um, it says, Fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you you and your sons and your grandsons all the day of your life that your days may be prolonged. So first, we need to fear the Lord. And it's not to be afraid of him, but that we are in awe of him, his holiness. And like Jim said, our greatest desire is to please the Lord above all else. And as our children see us fearing the Lord, loving the Lord, desiring to please the Lord, it becomes attractive to them. Um, In Deuteronomy 6, in uh, verse 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk about them when you sit down in your house, when you walk by the way, When you lie down and when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. So again, we set the pattern to love the Lord with all our heart, soul, and strength. And I think it's just a good time to evaluate yourself. Am I is that my greatest desire to please the Lord? Am I walking with the Lord? Am I an example to my kids? Do they want to walk with the Lord because they see what I'm doing? And I wanted to make walking with the Lord better than anything this world has to offer. I mean, this world is bombarding our children with so much, but is 
walking with the Lord exciting and real and fun for us? Or do we make it miserable and hard and difficult? We want to represent a, a walk with the Lord that, is ple- that would be pleasing to our kids. Um, more is caught than taught. So how are we living? Uh, grace should be the atmosphere of our home. Uh, grace is receiving what we don't deserve. Grace towards our family and grace towards others. Um, Jim grew up in a home that the answer was always no. He could never do anything. And so he had to learn to argue really well. His mom always said she thought he'd be a lawyer because he was such a good arguer. But I grew up in a totally different home where the answer was always yes, unless there was a good reason for it to be no. And so as we came together, it was really funny to see the differences in our parenting where he's like, no, you know, the kids wanted to go outside and eat lunch as a, on a picnic blanket in the backyard. And he's like, no. And I'm like, why would you say no to that? Like, that seems like a fun thing to do. And he's like, I, I don't really know. It really made us have to sit down and adjust like why are we saying no when do we say yes and so just thinking through things and isn't it terrible as parenting happens it's more of responding to what's coming our way there's not really a plan but maybe sitting down with your husband and planning out how do we want grace to be in our home how do we say yes to things how do we say no to things how do we allow our kids to do things and when do we um realize this is wrong and they can't do it, and just having more of a plan instead of um, approaching things in a, a, def- a defensive way. Um, we always want to make our home a place where the children want to be, and that was one of our goals was the kids wanted to bring their friends home to our house because it was a place where they would feel at rest, there would be fun to have, you know, food to have, games to play. And so we wanted our kids at our house more than we wanted our kids at other people's houses. So just cultivating that place that the children wanted to be. Um, and Jim talked about that Sundays would be the best days. And I, our kids always have loved Sundays. They still love Sundays. They're grown adults and they still love Sundays, which I think is amazing that they do, but it was, they could bring their friends home, we would go out to lunch, we'd just make it a fun day, that they would enjoy Sundays at church and then afterwards. Um, and I've been told by many people that their kids just don't like church, they don't like coming, and I think, well, what are you doing on Sundays that's gonna make it appealing to them? Because we want them. Recently I had a conversation with a good friend and sports has come in to their weekends. And so they're not coming to church. Honestly, they have not been to church in a year. And I said, you know, and their kids are teenagers now. And I said, they're not going to go to church once they move out of your house if they're not coming with you and seeing the example that you set to them. And she's like, oh, so I can't just watch on, t- on you know, the internet. And I thought, a couple things. One, her kids aren't sitting with her and watching it on the internet. I know she loves the Lord, but I also know that we set the example for our kids. And so I'm like, you need to start bringing them back to church and letting them see how good it is to be part of the fellowship. Um, secondly, so the first of the pattern is pattern. Second is peace. He gives us peace as he leads us. 
And it's not that we're not anxious and stressed sometimes. That, sh that should not be the main feeling in our home of stress and anxiety, but should be a place of peace. Peace, I looked at the word, is a state of tranquility, exemption from the rage and havoc of war. There's rest, quietness. Peace comes from knowing and trusting the Lord. That's where peace comes from. When we can rest in the Lord, we have peace and our home is peaceful. Um, Jim kind of shared this story, but I'm gonna expound on it. When the Lord was leading us to Florida, I was very fearful and anxious about my kids, and he talked about that. We were leaving our family and friends. We were moving 3,000 miles away when we didn't know anybody. And I really wanted what was best for the kids, and I didn't see how moving them across the country would be best for them. Um, I didn't want my kids to be uncomfortable, and I wanted them to have everything that they wanted. Um, but the Lord spoke to me from the children of Israel. You know, we know that God had called the children of Israel out of Egypt. And for two years, actually, God led them and gave them the, his um, commandments. He gave them the covenant. And they, he taught them how to live when they, come in, when they would come into the new um, nation. And now they've come to the promised land. They've come to Jordan, and they send the 12 spies into the land. And remember, 10, they have bad report. There's giants in the land. We'll never find victory there. And two, um, tell them that, no, God can defeat them. We can go in. And in Numbers 14.3, it says, the children of Israel said, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword? that our wives and our children should become victims. And in verse 31 of chapter 14, it says, but uh, God tells them, but your little ones whom you said would be victims, I will bring them into the land and I will give them the land that you despised. And I thought, you know, here, I'm not gonna go where the Lord's taking me because I'm afraid for my children. But God says, no, I'm bringing your children here and they're gonna have the victory that you didn't claim. That's what he says to the children of Israel. And he really spoke to me through that, that he's taking me and he's taking my children. And if I don't follow him, he's gonna bring my children anyways. And I thought, no, I wanna lead them. I wanna be the ones going before them, leading them to where God has called us to be. Um, there will be peace when you do what the Lord has called you, trusting that he is leading you and your children to the best. He is not working just in our lives. He is working in our children's life. He is going to use the difficulties and the trials to make our children dependent upon him also. Sometimes I think we, we want to protect our kids. We want to put them in a bubble. We won't, don't want them to have anything difficult in their lives, but actually those difficulties should be pushing us to the Lord and them to the Lord, and they can see the faithfulness of God. In Exodus 19, um, God says, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagle's wings and I brought you to myself. And that's the goal of the Lord is to bring each individual to himself. What was the purpose of bringing them to the promised land, it was for them to know and experience the Lord. And that's what he wants to do for our children. 
Fear should never be our motivator. We should take uh, steps of faith and obedience to receive peace. Um, third is protect. So we have, um, we're to have peace in our home, we're to be a pattern, and then we're to protect our children. And I looked up the word protect, it's to, to defend or guard from attack, invasion, loss, annoyance, insult. We're to cover or shield from injury. There is an enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy, and we want to protect our kids um, when they are small and teach them to walk with the Lord and to walk circumspectly in this world. And I'm not talking about being overprotective or a helicopter mom because we need to allow our children to experience things like I talked about. But we want to protect them from the enemy. And so um, even my kids went to public school, like Jim said, and they were used tremendously. But my oldest son, when he was 12 years old, he started making very poor decisions. He went to a Christian school, and we did everything Christian, but I called him a bottom dweller. He would always find the worst in the situation, and he would always you know, be drawn to that. And so the Lord, I started praying because it's really hard. He's a very strong-willed child, and he was very combative. And I, when he was three years old, he needed a spanking for something he had done wrong, and he would not let me spank him. And he's fighting me, fighting me. I ended up like struggling with him, getting him on the ground, pinned all fours down. Have you guys ever done this? And I looked at him, I'm like, you know, I'm going to call dad and have him pray for me right now because I need the Lord. And I literally left him there. I got up, I prayed, Jim, I called Jim and I'm like, will you pray for me? Because I think I might kill Nate if I don't get prayer. <laughs> Just being honest, have we all been there? <laughs> and, um, but at 12, you know, three, it's hard. But at 12, it's really hard when they are as big as you, they're stronger than you. And he was constantly doing things that were wrong. He was sneaking out of the house. He was meeting people places he shouldn't have been. Um, and there was a time where the Lord, I, I was really praying because it's really hard. You can't just argue them into the kingdom. And so I was praying and I was actually studying the book of Nehemiah and the Lord just started really speaking to me from Nehemiah. In Nehemiah 4.14, it says, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. And then in Nehemiah 3.28 says, the priests made repairs each in front of his own house. And I love that because we're building a wall. They were building a wall. We build a wall around our own house. And because we want to protect our family from the enemy. And I want to emphasize that it wasn't about fear, but it was about a listening to the Lord and doing what he was leading us to do. He was revealing things that were being done in secret and allowing us to deal with them in a proper way. And it was a growing process for all of us. 
And as the Lord was revealing things to me, because he really was revealing things, he was, you know, was before, he didn't have a cell phone, he was 12, was before really kids had cell phones, but he was on the internet and he was having chat rooms and he even found out like chat rooms that would disappear after 24 hours. And so I ended up pulling up something and he was communicating with someone and it was before it disappeared. And so the Lord was really revealing things to me about what he was doing. And so I was able to go to him and say, you know, the Lord showed me something on the computer that you were doing. And I always made it that the Lord was revealing, the Lord loved him and the Lord had a purpose for him. And so bringing him back to how much the Lord loved him, it wasn't because the Lord was mad at him or doing, I mean, he was doing things wrong, but the Lord loved him and was trying to bring him back to him. And so as I, as the Lord spoke to me, I approached him We had to restrict him from going places and doing um, things. And sometimes we need to make very difficult decisions. And it wasn't popular for him. It wasn't popular to his friends. But I knew that the Lord was leading us and directing us. And so just having that heart that is seeking the Lord and asking the Lord to reveal things to you... um, The Lord doesn't have a manual because he wants us seeking him. That's what I've said before, and I'm going to say that the Lord loves your children, and he wants you hearing from him to make those decisions. Um, When dealing with the—often we make the mistake of labeling labeling our other people's children as bad— while in reality, it's really our kids with other kids making decisions together— And when dealing with that child that seems hard-hearted and strong-willed, we need to know that the Lord wants to speak to them. In James 1, verse 20, it says, The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Our anger, and I'm telling you, I failed a lot. I got angry a lot. We fought a lot. But I know, too, that I was prayerful. I was trying to do the best I could. It's funny now being a grandparent and standing outside of it and being able to deal with my grandson because he is, he's only two, but he has entered the terrible twos and he has a strong personality. He talks a lot and he has an agenda that he always wants to be on. But it's funny being a grandparent, I can deal with things so much more patiently and lovingly and I'm not, my emotions aren't like always on the surface. And so I just... um, encourage you try to get try to let the emotions go and deal with things you know in a a way without all those emotions i think about a police officer when he comes to your window and he doesn't have any emotions he's not screaming at you because you've were speeding he just tells you what you've done wrong and he gives you the discipline that you deserve <laughs> um, recently I make donuts that's one of the fun things that I do and um, I apparently was speeding and I got pulled over by a police officer but I had donuts in the back of my car <laughs> and um, so I um, he, you know he comes over he tells me I'm speeding I go I have a weird question and I, I start rolling down my back window and he goes what? I go, I make donuts. Do you want a donut? And he's, he thought it was funny. He did not give me a ticket for speeding. But, but, um, but knowing that, you know, can we discipline without all of our emotions flaring? So maybe asking our 
our son or our daughter to wait for us while we go and pray, seek for wisdom, come back with, with a discipline. And we need to follow through. Discipline is so important that we follow through with it. I mean, we can give grace at times, but sometimes, oftentimes, we have to discipline too. And so coming back without these, those emotions and giving them the discipline that they need. Um, we're not going to keep our children away from unbelievers, but we do need to help them to navigate and to make choices that are pleasing to the Lord. We want our kids to be lights to the world. Um, it really took a couple years before the Lord really got a hold of my oldest son. He says he didn't accept the Lord till he was 17, maybe. Um, but I mean, that's when he remembers the Lord getting a hold of him. But I think we just continued to show him the Lord, show him the love of the Lord, guide him and direct him. And eventually his heart was soft enough to hear from the Lord and to receive the Lord on his own. Um, recently, I asked him what it was that we did that helped him <laughs> to come to know the Lord or to, to um, want to walk with the Lord. And he said, he gave me three things that we did. It was our example that we loved the Lord and walked with the Lord. It was our consistency that we were the same at home that we were at church or out and about. He said he, he saw that. And then third, it was our humility because when we got in the flesh or we did something wrong, we apologized to him for doing the wrong. And so I thought that was neat from his grown-up perspective, how we um, helped to him walk with the Lord. Um, number four is prayer. And in 1 Kings 3, 6, um, Solomon is writing, and it says, You have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him, and you have given it to his son to sit on the throne, as it is this day. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David, but I am a little child. I do not know how to go in or to come out. And I love that Solomon saw that his father was a great example. And then in verse 9, it goes on to say, Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. And this was my prayer for my children, that they would have an understanding heart heart, a soft heart that would hear from the Lord and respond to him. I never wanted my voice to be louder than the Lord's voice. And I know there was times I would pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to my son, especially my oldest son. We had the hardest time with him. Um, and it was funny, once he started walking with the Lord, the other three just kind of followed him. He was a great example. But when he was young, he would do things like one time he got one of those um, GAC guns out and he was shooting the other boys in the house. We weren't home, we had a babysitter and so that GAC is really messy. Do you know what it is? It's like slime and it, it was going everywhere and um, my son, my youngest son was four at the time so my oldest was nine and he actually hid all the extra cartridges from my older son so that once he was empty, he couldn't reload. So my four-year-old was smarter than my nine-year-old. But I, I said to him, my nine-year-old, when we came home and there's GAC everywhere, that 
um, babysitter was a mess. She was so upset. She couldn't get him to stop. And um, I said to, my, to Nate, I said, so did you have that still small voice in your heart that told you you probably shouldn't do this? And he goes, nope. And I'm like, okay, that's really scary. So the, he doesn't hear from the Spirit, so we need to help him. But we pray that they will hear from the Spirit and just kind of helping them to hear that voice of the Lord, that inner voice that tells them not to do something. I, I do believe he knew it was wrong. He just decided not to listen to it. But, um, but just to encourage them in hearing from the Spirit. Um, as they get older, explain to them what it is to listen to the Lord and how important it is. Let them know that they are so loved by God and the Lord wants to speak to them and to lead them. And so help them to have those ears that are attentive to the voice of the Lord. The voice of the Lord will always sound like the word of the Lord, right? It's always going to line up with scripture. So help them to understand that God's voice is going to sound like his word, and it's never going to lead them away from what the word says, um, and that they are not exceptions to the word of God. We set the example of being in the word ourselves and listening to the Lord and allowing the Lord. When I was going, when uh, Nehemiah going through the book of Nehemiah, and I was having that trouble with Nathan, I kept pointing him back to the word of God, what God was speaking to me, and how that was affecting our life and affecting his life. And so letting them know that the Bible is our standard for living and point them back to God's word. Um, Jim and I always would spend time with the Lord in the morning and we had devotion chairs. Those, that's where we sat to have devotion. And it was sweet after time when my kids got a little bit older, they called it the devotion chair and they knew that that's where we spent time with the Lord. And so we wanna lead them by example, being in God's word and then pointing to them pointing God's word to them so that they know that God wants to speak to them through his word. Um, point out opportunities for your children to ask for guidance and pray with them and help them to find um, scriptures to apply to the situation that they're going through. You know, if they're having trouble with a, a person at school, maybe somebody's not being nice to them, we take them to God. God's word, give them scripture that we're to be kind to our enemy, we're to pray for them, we're to love them, and then be alongside with them as we pray with them and encourage them to do kind things for those people. I remember when I was a kid, I grew up in a Christian home, and so I had the blessing of having parents who loved the Lord, and I had a girl that I did not like at all. And she, we actually carpooled with each other. And so I had to see her every day. And I remember my mom telling me that I needed to pray for her. And then my mom encouraged me to do something nice for her, to find a gift for her, to give to her. And it's funny how things like that just change our heart. I mean, we know Jesus tells us to pray for our enemy because we know that as we pray for our enemy, our hearts are changed. And so encouraging our kids the same thing, that they should be praying, they should be doing kind things. And as they do, their, their hearts are changed toward them. Um, we want to give the Lord time to speak to them, and we want them to be, have hearing hearts to hear from the Lord. And we never want to be louder than the Lord. 
And then fifth, um, promises. There were promises that the Lord gave to me that gave me to anchor me into holding on to the truths of what he had to say. When things seemed difficult and I couldn't see how it worked out, I would meditate on God's word. Like I said that song, um, Isaiah 54, 13, again, I'm gonna read it. All your children shall be taught by the Lord and great shall be the peace of your children. In righteousness, you shall be established. You shall be far from oppression for you shall not fear. And just holding on to that, the Lord is gonna teach my children. The Lord loves my children. He wants to lead my children. Um, he gave me another uh, promise in Isaiah 44. I actually don't have the verse, but it says, I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessings on your offspring. They will spring up among the grass like willows by the watercourse. One will say, I am the Lord's. Another one will call himself by the name of Jacob. Another one will write his name. Um, another will write with his hand the Lord's name. I'm not... Another will write with his hand the Lord's and name himself by the name of Israel. So it was just talking about how each of your child children will claim the Lord as his own. And I love that. I thought the Lord is going to get a hold of each of my kids and he loves them. And that he will pour his spirit on our children and they will be called by the Lord. And there was just so many times that the Lord gave me scripture that I held on to, that I write down, that I would meditate on when we're going through the difficulties, that I would know that the Lord is still leading them. And then six, the purpose, to help your children discover the purpose that God has for them. And we're all familiar with Romans 8, 28. It says, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who who are called according to his purposes. But verse 29 goes on to say, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined that they would be conformed into the image of his son. And so that's where that's the purpose of God. He uses all things in our life to conform us into the image of Jesus. And so that is the number one purpose of our in our kids' life is that God wants to conform them to be more like Jesus. Um, in 1 Corinthians six nineteen, it says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you are bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. So we're called, he wants to conform them into his image, and he also wants he wants God to be glorified in them. And that Greek word for glorifies is the, Doxoso. It means to magnify or to cause the worth of something or someone to shine forth. Our purpose and our children's purpose is to look like Jesus and to glorify him in all that we do. We may have different goals. Maybe, um, you know, Jim talked about having a goal for our children. And Sometimes it's to be an athlete. Sometimes it's to be, you know, the smartest kid in the class or, or whatever it may be. But we want to make sure that our goal for our children is that they walk with him, that they, um, 
that they are transformed to be more like Jesus and that they glorify the Lord in all that they do. And it sounds overwhelming sometimes. I mean, raising our kids is overwhelming, but I know that God wants to equip us. He wants us seeking him. In 1 Timothy 1.3, it says, his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. He has called us and equipped us. And he wants to lead you, and he wants you to lead your children um, in, to be more like Jesus. Again, of 1 Chronicles 20, it says, We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on, on him. We are to set the pattern. We want to have peace in our home. We want to protect them. We want to pray for them. We want to stand on God's promises, and we want to remind them that God has a purpose for them. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word and that we can stand on your promise. I can look back at my life and I know, Lord, we didn't do things perfectly, but I know, Lord, that we sought you and that you spoke to us and that you got a hold of our children. And I pray for each and every child here, Lord, that you would get a hold of their hearts, that they would hear you, that they would know you, that they would understand you and that their greatest desire would be to live a life pleasing to you. Lord, we live in a crazy world that there is so much coming our way, but I do know, Lord, that you are so good to us and that you love us and you love our children so much. And so we ask, Lord, that you would draw them to yourself and that you would equip each of the moms here to be those moms that would love their children and train them well and point them to you. In Jesus' name, amen.